It's like the ultimate wave. Everything you could ever want. I was up there making the drinks, chopping lines, rolling joints. I'm a new person. I'm going to be a great dad. Today, get down, please. I'll just have a couple beers. I saw, like, naked chicks, like, walking around. He was a master at hiding it. I was just scared that I was going to screw up the kid like I was screwing up myself. Ryan Welch, thank you so much for joining us. Really yes. appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thank you. Talking about your new film, Loud Crazy Love, first of all, congratulations. It is incredible. Oh, thank you. Taking us back to the beginning of Corn, what was it that you actually wanted to achieve with the band when you started out as a young teenager? It was all ego. Just wanted to be a famous rock star, you know? It's like wanted to write music. There was a little bit of a, you know, the art was in there. It was like I wanted to create something that people could enjoy and everything. But um, it just got twisted because all I did was stare at albums and watch videos of all these rock stars that were like Motley Crue, Kiss, and all these bands that were just known for being all about partying, you know? Yeah. And so I was given that job later on in life, you know, in my early 20s. It was like, here you go. Here, every dream you, ha you had, you can have, mm. which was very surreal. Yeah, it's kind of risky. So what was it about that life and what those guys had that you really wanted? Just, I don't know. It was, it was just in my DNA, you know, the the distorted guitars and the and the melodies and just the uh, the singing about um, a lot of it was pain or whatnot. You know, a lot of it was party, but I don't know. It was just something that I was drawn to, and and I couldn't shake it. It was started at ten years old. And by the time I was 18, it was still like just pounded into me. Yeah. And so I could, it was, a, it was a, it was an obsession. <laughs> what were you like as an 18 year old? Because we get like a little bit of an insight into that in the movie. But who you were then looks so different to who people knew you were in Corn. Yeah. Well, obviously I was dropped in gorgeous, and uh, <laughs> so I had that going. But no, I'm just joking. I'm not going to make any comment about that <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, at 18, I was a clown. I was. Um, I was like the the joke the joke guy, you know. With, yeah. I was a drinker. I drank um, beer every day, usually like forty ounces, because uh, all we were into rap music. It's weird. We were into like uh, gangster rap and then hardcore like like metal music and all that. And so it was it was a crazy combination. But I was kind of shy, mm. you know. Never had um, confidence and with with girls or whatever back then and. And uh, I had a root of self-hatred that I carried around because mm. I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. And uh, a lot of my friends were more, you know, better looking, easier with the women and all that and stuff. Yeah. And I was like the awkward guy and right. awkward looking, awkward um, just with girls and everything. So that's that's how it was back then. Did, but you the ever, did you ever work out what the source of that kind of feeling of unrest was like looking in the mirror and sort of hating what you see so many people feel that experience did you ever work out where it came from for you oh yeah totally it was uh the 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 great bullies that picked out every flaw in me and mm. told me and reminded me of the flaws that i had and so you know it's pretty common yeah and then so i carried that into my adulthood that's the crazy thing um to me like if without god it's really shown you who you are it's a, it's a thing that you can carry into your life for decades. Mm. 
and it's really dangerous, you know, because you can waste years being unhappy and 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 even when you are are happy, there's this voice in back of you saying that you're not good enough, and and boy, if they really got to know you, they would not like you, or they're just acting like they like you because you're you're ugly or something like that, you know, all of those lies. And so, yeah, I was I was just a mess internally. Yeah, so then come corn and you're like top of the charts, you've got the success, you've got the freedom. How did it feel to be able to say, I kind of made it to all those people? Um, it was pretty cool, you know. It was it was a good feeling, but I still felt like I still had that root of self-hatred. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, without, without the, the spirit of God and... The, the beer and the drugs and stuff, it kind of helped me as far as, like, numb, you know? And and so I just felt like that ugly guy always on stage, so if I just drink beer, I wouldn't even think, you know, think about it or whatnot. Yeah. But, um, and uh, even when I had, like, obsessed, like, groupies or whatever, it was just, like, if they get a little bit closer, mm. they'll be like, ew, you know? So I had these, all this crazy stuff going on, but, um... Yeah. But, yeah, it was just a, it was a crazy time. Crazy. Yeah, and you say in the movie that the American dream, having it all, having money, having those groupies, everything, it really felt more like a nightmare. What was it about it that just didn't sit right with you? It was just really dark. You know, we were, we had many friends in the porn industry, and um, so just that, just the weight of that, um, the atmosphere in that. There's, I mean, the poor girls, like, most of them were just, abused growing up and um and you you get to know that when you get to know people like that and so just those type of friends and then all the other if we're open to doing drugs then you attract those people and Mm -hmm. so it was just this atmosphere of we want to party with corn and we were like we want to party with you (laughs) you bring the stuff and we'll party with you yeah and so it was horrible nightmare and we just kind of laughed about it, you know. Okay, when I get home, I'm going to chill on the Coke hmm. and just, you know, be a normal boyfriend, husband, whatever, even dad. And, uh, but, you know, oh, I shouldn't do this, but there's a pile of Coke right there. And, yeah. and I, always, I always had, like, the Xanax or the Vicodin in big bottles. So people at the end of the night, if they're all coked out, they'd come to me to try to get a calm down, you know, and I'd just hand them out. And, hmm. and I'm just like, I look back and just so thankful nobody died when on me passing out because you can't yeah. come down like that and hearts explode you know physically and people die from that so yeah. it was just really a nightmare it's crazy and it's a world that so many people like barely any of us get to experience the world and the insight that you've seen from that perspective but yeah. we do see how people that are in the entertainment industry whether it's in rock and roll heavy metal stuff even pop like there seems to be this compulsion to have drinking and drugs and all of that stuff go hand in hand with that lifestyle. Why do you think the two of them seem to just go together like that? I don't know. I was talking to someone yesterday, and it's it's like you don't have to get up early ever. And, you know, you start to play these songs. You write them. We wrote our first record in 94, and we hit the road. Some of those songs just are timeless, and people love them to this day. And so when you play them over and over... It's it's a thing where you don't really have to use your your skills as a human being because mm, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's like you go through the motions every day. You're doing the same thing, same moves, same songs, and so it's really out of boredom a lot of it. And then maybe 
just the crowds and just, you know, yeah, we love you, we love you. And just coming off the stage, oh, that was awesome. And, you, and so you just want to celebrate. And yeah. I think it's a combination of those. And also the the heaviness of the of, of the um, mental and emotional um, things that go on inside of you. We're not meant, we're not created to to get in a bus and tour and go to a different city every day. We're, look what everybody does. They, they start a family, they, they get a house, and they get a stable life, you know? So I think um, just touring, I don't care who you are, it, it affects you. Yeah. And depression comes sometimes from just traveling so much. And all of those combinations, um, you know, helped lead us into that horrible life. It sounds like a really dark experience, but what you do in Loud Crazy Love gives people such a picture of hope as well, because when your daughter, Jenea, is born, that becomes a real catalyst for change for you. Mm -hmm. What was it about becoming a father and raising a daughter that really started a shift in your life? Well, um, she was sent into this world, I believe, as an angel to me, you know, from God, and, uh, and I had to get my mind off of myself so I could raise her. But the crazy thing is that her coming into the world actually raised me too because um, it got my mind off of me. And there was a tug of war though because I was like, okay, I need to be a good dad. I need to I need to do the right thing here. And I wanted to and I loved her. And there was just, but um, I had this desire to become this better person, you know? And um, I tried, but all those issues in my mind just, I couldn't do it on my own strength, so I ran from that new person that I started to. I started to want to and work on it. Then I ran from it and went the other way. Went deep, dark into drugs and just hired nannies. And when I'd come home, I'd I'd kind of like put on the, the role. I'd be on drugs, but I'd be like yeah. you know, goofy dad making breakfast. And meanwhile, I'm up all night, you know. And I, yeah. oh, it was so dark. But um, but just her coming in and me finally the drugs got to the point where I was like gonna kill myself or I was gonna die from the drugs or something mm. or end up in a psych ward something really dramatic yeah and um I was telling someone earlier that I was on the gold coast in 2004 and I and I almost ran out of meth and I was doing it for two years and after that we went straight to Europe and I had my dealer send me like eight balls to Europe and right then I was like while I'm waiting for my eight balls to come from FedEx or whatever and nice hotel I'm like there's going to be cops or I'm going to get my package and the package came I, I broke it open and I was like this is it I have to stop this I've yeah. gone too far and so that's when the uh, the church um, conversation came up after that tour mm, so yeah at this point who did you think God was what was your perspective of God um, I had two perspectives. Um, he was, if there was a God, he's way too past the, the stars and everything, so nobody could prove he's real. And the other perspective was Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, <laughs> where, like, people say God and they know God, but they're so awkward and, and, and unrealistic yeah. and, that you don't even want to, you know what I mean? That, yeah. was, that was, you know, a decade and a half that ago. That doesn't suit you at all. Right. No. And so, <laughs> so that was my two perspectives, but, um, this guy that invited me to come to church was, uh, he actually built hot rods and monster trucks and would win all the car shows that he put them in. Did you drive one of his hot rods? Oh, yeah. I bought his Hummer. <laughs> it was lifted 12 inches. I bought a Hummer from him. Nice. And he was, uh, he was a Christian, and his family were Christians, and, his, and they were happy, and they were just positive, and they were, they were, every, 
everything that I wanted to be. And so he, the guy's like, come to church with me. And I'm like, why? You know, I'm trying to be cool. Yep. He's like, just come to church with me. It's good for the soul. Come on. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I need to hang out with these guys. And church would probably be good for me. Mm. And I'm thinking, they just don't party. And so if I hang out with people that don't party, maybe that's good. And I go there and I hear about the living Christ mm. that will come to you and prove he's real and come and put his spirit in you. And I'm listening to it going, wow. Mm. If this is true, which I don't think it is, I need that. Yeah. But it sounds like nonsense. But if it is true, I'll take it, you know. Yeah. So I, I raised my hand and, and I received Christ. And I just went home and I was like, that guy said you're real. Yeah. If you're real, you better change me because I'm good as dead if I don't change. You know, I was just like, mm. I prayed like I had been like a pro. Yeah. And, so. Uh, Having having been on drugs then and had so many different kind of, I imagine, kind of out-of-body experiences in some way, mm-hmm. what was it that made Jesus real to you? Because I couldn't he have just seemed like another aspect of a high? Right. Um, it, well, it was the, it was the love and um, the love that I've never felt before with um, a romantic relationship, um, family. Even to children, it was like a love from another dimension that came into the room, a peace that was like heavy and just weighty. They, they talk about, Jesus says that he's given to his people the glory that the Father gave him. And so I felt that the glory just in my life. And I couldn't see angels or Jesus, but they were there. And I was convinced of it because I had been calling out. And then I was like, I've never felt nothing like it. And I'm like, this is it. This is the revealing of God in my life, and everything changes right now. Mm. And I don't want to spoil the ending of the movie, but obviously people know who follow your career that you had that relationship with Christ, still do, but chose to go back to corn. I imagine that was like a pretty, like that would have been a pretty big decision to kind of come full circle eight years later and go back. How did you realize it was the right choice to make? Oh my gosh, it was so hard because I was like the youth group hero, you know. Look at that guy. <laughs> he left the world to follow Christ. And then Christ is like... Hey, I want you to go back. And I'm like, wait, Crap. it's going to ruin my testimony, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but I didn't want to get on the train. I had the money. I lost the money. I didn't care. Like, you know, I had learned the secret of having plenty and having nothing, which is I can do all things through Christ, all that. I was like, and then I got asked to come back, and and I saw the emotion. I played one song with the band, just running into them on a tour, and I saw their show first time in eight years, and they just asked me to play a song. I played a song. Singer broke down in tears. The fans cried. My dad cries the next day. He's like, man, that's your family. It's so good to see you back with them. Um, and Jonathan, our singer, said, if that was just all I have, thank you for that memory. Mm. And I saw his heart, and I saw that they weren't doing hard drugs anymore. Then we just were talking you know, after that, and they just asked me, you want to come? check it out but it was hard um and it was very clear though and i also had good advice from people i trusted and so that helped how do you have such a strong relationship with the guys in the band when like they reacted pretty aggressively when you said you were leaving originally and even in the movie it's really funny the way they react to your faith and some of them wrestle with the idea of you becoming a christian and stuff to then go back What's that relationship like now and keeping connection even though your own spiritual journey has shifted? Well, um, that was right when I came back to the band. So 
part of it was they had to, you know, they had to come to terms. I'm, I'm a Christian and I love Christ. The bass player is a Christian too, so it was that was that was good. <laughs> and um, but the, the our singer was spiritually abused when he was a kid, and uh, he was like on a worship. He went to church and everything, and so he's just like, you know, he does not like the Christian religion. But like he said in the movie, I'm not a preachy mf or so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay in his eyes. But uh, so, you know what? There's different people in our lives, friends, family, that don't believe the same way as us. And um, I just want to love them, you know? And what are we going to throw our family out that doesn't believe like us, you know? Mm. But he's, he's way more chill nowadays, though. That was filmed a few years ago. Yeah. And... Uh, and so, yeah, it's a lot better now. It's really special, the brotherhood that you form with them. And when they all come to your parents' place and you have them all sitting there and your parents yeah. who look kind of like pretty normal but have been really influenced by your story too, just really special. And on on the topic of your parents, there'd be a lot of mums and dads who have kids that were fans of your music or have gone through similar challenging stuff to what you guys did. Your parents say that they had no idea what was going on and didn't realise the challenges that you had personally, what's your advice to parents who have kids walking that walk and, and what they can do to actually help their kids through those hard times? Oh, man, don't. You know, my mom's always told me she saw the signs, but I would just um, joke it away, you know. Oh, I'm fine. I'll just, you know. And so listen to the signs. Listen to your gut. Follow your gut because moms know best or, you know. <laughs> and so, um, and tough love look we only have our kids so long mm. and so until they're adults and I had to make a crazy decision to put my daughter in a boarding school against her will and it ended up she ended up saying I'm glad I'm here mm. two months later but that was a decision that was scary I'm like is this going to push me away from her the rest of her life mm. or is this going to help her so you know, just love them. Communication, huge communication. That's that's a that's a problem in family sometimes. Communication. So mm. yeah. the example that you and Janae have set is just incredible. Like the honesty in the movie and everything that you share, and the way that you realize that God had forgiven you. Like admitting to shame that you felt and all of those things and feeling that is remarkable. Knowing that God has forgiven you, though, is one thing. But I feel like forgiving ourselves, that's a whole other thing. So how have you come to that place where you have forgiven yourself for some of the decisions that you made in those days that you just don't agree with anymore? It's completely supernatural because we're not, we don't have it in, in ourselves to forgive, forgive ourselves. So when his forgiveness comes and his love comes, it just goes through us and it transfers, like the love transfers it. It transferred into my daughter to become a better father. Transferred into me to forgive, and so I can talk about all these things with you, mm. and I don't feel the sting of the of the pain or the guilt because Jesus took it all, you know. Mm. And and it's just simply amazing, you know. It's it's supernatural, it really is. And it's changed the relationship that you have with fans on the road too, because even what you see in Loud Crazy Love, people come up to you, they want you to pray for them, even on the press tour that you've done. Here in Australia, people give their lives to you in some way, hoping that you will speak encouragement into them. As a, as, as a guy that almost kind of ends up as a youth pastor, how do you balance giving out and helping people in that way, but also making sure that you're okay? Mm, great question. Um, you know, I, well, I've been taught 
you know, very intimately by Christ through um, 2 Corinthians 12, that um, there's power manifested in weakness. And so when I start to feel weak um, in, a, in a healthy way, you know, where I'm not going to burn out, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Because he was like, I rejoice in my sufferings, Paul did, so that Christ's power may rest on me more. And so I always remember that. And I'm like, all right, Lord, Paul said it, so give me more of your power, and I see more results. And then when it's time, though, I get alone. I get alone, and I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm a contemplator, and uh, you know, I meditate, and just in that union relationship with Christ, and I get filled up like that. Mm. It's like it's, I'll go back to that word. It's all supernatural, you know. Yeah. But I make sure, and that's that's really important. Yeah, just setting up those habits, and yeah. the way that Janaea has fed into your life as a daughter is kind of really unique as well, because she obviously had her journey as she grew up pretty much on the road with you. Mm-hmm. What have you learned from the way, even in the making of this film, what have you learned from her in the way that she like, lived through that season and has now essentially kind of made it out the other side? How does she inspire you? Oh, my gosh. She is just like, she blows my mind. Just the fact that she let us, I mean, she's 15 years old, and she let us film her counseling sessions when she's in tears and everything, and it's in the movie, and just... Her overcoming her, her, her issues with me, with uh, with the church. Oh my gosh, the church like people were just so rude and and would say the craziest things to her, and um, and so just her that supernatural forgiveness that she's went through too, and uh, I just she blows my mind, and I'm so proud of her, and I think that she's gonna just do amazing things that are unique. She's going to have a unique calling like her dad, I think, but in a different way. She don't want nothing yeah. to do with music. Like she, It's her hobby. Yeah, she plays the guitar in the movie. Yeah, right? yeah. but she's like, I don't want your life. It looks, <laughs> it looks extreme. Does that make you proud that she doesn't want it? Yeah, because it's not easy, man. you got to be... But if she did, I would be... Oh, yeah, I would back her, but yep. touring as a musician is just not the easiest life, you know, but... Yeah, it's no joke, but telling this story is a pretty brave thing to do. Why did you feel like it actually needed to come out and and be documented on screen like this? Because there's so many broken families out there and so much guilt and so much um, unforgiveness, bitterness, and, and if we, like, our family was a wreck, you know? It was just a mess, and we had a little family. It was just me and her for a few years, but just to... The number one, one of the number one battles with men is anger and rage and everything. And so I just want, I want the men to see that they can overcome themselves and get better. I want them to see forgiveness in the family. I want them to see that uh, the, the, the teenagers or the young people that they can get past their issues and not to give up. Mm. And I want to, I want everyone, everyone to see that God is real. He's very, very real. And and he's just like I said, not to give anything away, but like he restores all things, you know. Yeah. He restored everything in my life. That all the drama in the movie, all the all the difficult things. Like I can, I can honestly say, me and my daughter, we don't have anger outbursts anymore. We have a mature like relationship, and it's loving. And and I just want everyone to see they can have that too.